But God's firm foundation stands, stamped with these words. The Lord knows his own, and let everyone who claims he belongs to the Lord stand apart from wrongdoing. In a large house, there are dishes and pots, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. That is, some are meant for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. In this, in this current age, we find our times, ourselves in a time where many believers are not living set-apart lives. I know there's been times in my own walk where I have been guilty of conforming or, and not allowing the Word of God to transform me, not allowing His grace to operate in my members, in my member, so that I can be that vessel of honor, that desirable vessel that the, that the, that the master wants to use and can rely on. And I've, I've had times in my walk where I've been more like wood or clay. But I want to share tonight how important it is for us to remain vessels of honor because there is a high value that has been placed upon our lives. There is a high value that has been placed upon our lives. See, guys, we are not like everybody else. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a set up, called out one, set apart, as First Peter says. We are not to be like every single person that we see and pass upon the street. We have something inside of us that is far more valuable to the people we pass by that, that they need to receive from us. But if we're not in position, if we're not setting ourselves apart to where we can be recipients of that 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 power from God, we become invaluable. It's better for us to be trampled underfoot. How many, what did Jesus say in the parable on the mount? What good is salt if it loses its flavor? It's better for it to be trampled underfoot. What good is light if it's hidden under a bushel? We don't light a candle. They have candles, you know. (laughs) We don't light a candle and cover it up. We don't, we don't put blockages over the lights in our homes yet we live as if we have not been enlightened we live as if we have not been set apart we live as if we do not have the the king of the universe not just not just living in his kingdom but we we act like he hasn't made his dwelling in us according to the scriptures that he has come and he has lived amongst us jesus came and lived and tabernacled with the people in a physical form but he resurrected and ascended and sent the holy spirit on the day of pentecost that we could be full of his spirit and that we have something inside of us that is greater than the man that's in the world we have that's what he says in first john that greater is he that is within us than he who is in the world we have something greater and of high value that is inside of us that if we hang on to it we will rob other people 
or if we don't position ourselves to receive the power that he talks about in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus spoke of in, in John. Or as John spoke of, John the Baptist spoke of in the book of John, that if we don't believe that we have this power, we don't believe that there is something that has been placed inside of us when we placed our faith in the Son of God, then we become dishonorable vessels. We become dishonorable. We cannot be used to the full effect the way that the Master desires to use us. So I want to just discuss... Some things that we have to do in order to remain vessels of honor. To remain vessels of honor. Number one, the number one thing, if we go back to verse 19 of Second Timothy chapter 2, as we read here, it says that the Lord has a firm foundation that stands. There's nothing shaking it. There's nothing changing it. It's set in motion. It was set from the beginning of time that this is what it is. The Lord knows those who belong to him. Romans 8.16 even goes as far as saying, let me turn there right quick. Romans 8.16. Romans 8 is probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible because I think it kind of it really just captures the transformation from death to life through the Son of God. But Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So not only does God know that he that who, who belongs to him or that who's in his family, but that we can also have the assurance because the Holy Spirit himself, the Spirit himself will bear record and bear witness with our own human spirit that we belong to God, that we don't have to play a guessing game. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I on my way to heaven? Am I on my way to hell? I don't know. Jesus didn't come so that we could be more confused. He didn't come so that we could be out here just kind of like <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing a game of Clue or playing a game of Guess Who to try and figure out who, <laughs> whose we are. <laughs> it reminds me of this book. This, like, you know, the way that people are with their Christian walk is that it reminds me of this book I read back in kindergarten or much rather our teacher used to read to us called Is Your Mama a Llama? Where there's this baby llama going around asking a bunch of different animals, are you my mother? Are you my mother? And then finally sees a llama and they have this aha moment. He has this aha moment like, oh my gosh, my mama's a llama because I'm a llama. And that's the thing is that we have been regenerated. We have been made whole. We have been made holy by the blood of the lamb. We have become sinless. We have become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ who gave his life for us according to the scriptures and that we are now joint heirs with Christ. We are now sons of God. We are no longer sons of wrath, but we are now sons of light according to the scriptures. So when I I, when I begin to see that, okay, I'm not having to look to different things in this life to, to, to make me whole or to give me that assurance, to give me that hope that I know that my hope is in my father through, through his son, my older brother, Jesus Christ, who came and became like me, sinful flesh. He became like me. He died to me. He put death, the deeds of sin and destruction and in the flesh. He killed those things in himself 
and then resurrected and not just got himself up, but got me up with him so that I can be a partaker of his divine nature and glory. Uh, Amen. That he did this so that I could have life and have it more abundantly in and through him. That I do not have to wonder where I am or whose I am. But now I can know that I am a joint heir, that I look like my father. I look like my father. So the Lord says that he knows whose is his. So then the word of God says, let everyone who claims he belongs to the Lord. Anyone that says, I'm a part of this family of God, I belong to him. I am not of this world any longer. I am not a son of wrath. Like I just said, we are no longer sons of wrath, but children of light. We must now stand apart from wrongdoing. So the first thing that keeps us as vessels of honors, vessels of honor, honors, <laughs> is that we have to separate ourselves from unclean things. We have to separate ourselves from unclean things. We cannot live like the world. We cannot do what the world does. We cannot speak the same language they speak. We cannot operate this life this life through the world system. We have to operate at a higher level. There is a higher level, there's a higher road, there is a way that seems right to a man, and that way ends in destruction according to the book of Jeremiah, according to scripture, and don't come hitting me with, oh, that was Old Testament, brother. No, it's one word. <laughs> there's one word from the beginning. <laughs> there's one, <laughs> there's been one command from the beginning. There's been one th- way of life that God ordained from the beginning. God ordained, not what man has allowed, but what God has ordained. So we can't. We have to be separate people. We said he called us as separate people in First Peter. He called. I opened up this this broadcast with that. He called us separate. So we have to be separate. He called us holy. So let's be holy. We have to separate ourselves. So people say when you say you start talking about separation and consecration, people start saying, "Well, brother, are you saying that I can't have friends that are that aren't Christians? Are you saying that I can't fellowship with people that?" Are, That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is that you cannot be a partaker of what they're doing. We cannot operate our lives the same way they operate because that does not work well. Darkness cannot cast out darkness according to the scripture. We have to live clean. We have to live separate. There is something inside of us that is valuable and we do not want to lose value because we want to become relevant we want to appear to be relevant and and conform to the world we have to live separate we have to do this and the cool thing is that we do not do this in our own power because who knows that any no there's none of us that can separate ourselves or deviate from wrongdoing in our own power I use that word deviate because I was reading, I, I like definitions, you guys know me, I'm a definition kind of guy. Let me go back to 2 Timothy because I have notes all up in my margin. So, so where the word says that we must stand apart or depart from wrongdoing, that word depart means to deviate or to leave. To deviate means to stay, to stray from the established course or norm. So the established course or the norm for the flesh is the path that leads to destruction. We know that this way is broad according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. He said, broad is the way. Broad is the way. 
that leads to destruction. Broad is the way. There's so many different ways that we can get on this road to destruction. There's, it's the way of the flesh. It's the way of the carnal mind. It's the way that says, I'm going to try in my own efforts to do right. It's, I'm going to try my own efforts. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, read books about not smoking anymore. I'm going to read books about how to, how to be more kind to people. I'm going to... I'm going to go volunteer myself to death somewhere because I want to feel a sense of, hey, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing good for the community. I'm okay. See, the efforts of man do not produce righteousness. The efforts of man do not produce righteousness. The only thing that we can't, the only thing that will produce righteousness in in mankind is faith in the Son of God, that is Jesus Christ, and allowing that allowing that faith to operate in and through our lives, producing good works, producing <laughs> fruit, producing life. That is the only way for sinful man to be regenerated and made righteous is that when we see that the one who became sin that knew no sin has did that so that we could become the righteousness of God in him so it's all in Christ we remain vessels of honor by separating ourselves in Christ. It's when I place my faith in the Son of God, I then become set apart. And as I begin to walk my life in that place, in that new space where I'm where the old is passing away, and not only passing away, but the old has passed away, according to Second Second Corinthians 5:17, and I am now walking in the newness of life in my Lord. That is what causes the separation. So it's not like a it's not it's, people people think like, oh no, I gotta I'm gonna I gotta hold on to this thing I gotta I gotta snuggle up to it no when the spirit comes upon you and takes up residency inside of you and the love of God is shed abroad inside your heart things begin to melt away things begin to shift the more that you give yourself over to the new life see that's the thing is we don't want to separate our, our carnal mind does not want to separate. Our carnal mind, according to Romans 8, is the enemy against God. We don't want to separate. So what happens is we get into these modes where we know that, we're, we, know that we belong to God. We know that we have faith in Him. We know that, that He has changed our lives. But we allow room for cracks to form. We allow space. We give space to the enemy. We give place to him. We give place to him because our passions are at war within us. We, our spirit man is wanting to cry out to the Father and please him by faith. But our carnal man is saying, I don't see how that can be done. And because our ear is tuned to the carnal man, the voice of the carnal man, we barely hear the whisper of the Father drawing us into a closer place of relationship with him. That See, the more I hear my Father's voice and I get closer to his calling, the f- further away I get from those things that once were, those dead things that were once my identity. So we got to live separate. We have to allow the work of the Holy Spirit to, to radiate inside of us and cause us to, to lay, down, lay down what self wants and to operate in the place of the cross, not just the cross, but in the place of the resurrection, the place of ascension, the, pra- the place of Christ in me, the hope of glory radiating out and producing life through through me 
is not I who live, but it's Christ who lives through me. Amen? So, I want us to go a little further here. I've got some questions, and I have a question here that says, What determines the value of a vessel? So let's go back and read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. In a large house, there are dishes and pots, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. That is, some are meant for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. So I read that. I'm like, okay, we have in the house of the Lord. So in the entire body of Christ, we have, because who knows that the house of the Lord is the body of Christ, that Jesus is, you know, you, you guys tracking? So what determines the value of a vessel? Why are some gold and why are some silver? Why are some wood and why some clay? So I was just doing a little search, quick search, to what determines value. And one thing that just kind of came up in my spirit, I didn't even find this online, this just came up in my spirit, is the word, rare, the two words, rarity or scarcity. How easy is it to find? So a red plastic cup, your red solo cup, is easier to find than, say, if I were wanting a souvenir cup from Disney World in 1997. I can go to Walmart right now or a gas station or any store and go find red cups, red plastic cups. But I can't go to, to Walmart or any other convenience store and go to the shelf and pick up a 1997 souvenir cup from Disney World because that was a rare thing that has, I'm sure if I went online and found it, there's a high value. If I was a collector, there's probably, I have to go on eBay, probably have to bid, you know, pay some, uh, a, a significant amount of money to receive that cup where I can go to the gas station by my house here and go to, and just pick up a pack of cups, probably pay less than five bucks for them. And you know, the, hey, I got something, I got some vessels to use. So rarity, how rare something is, is what will make it have a higher value. So as I was, as the Lord kind of was steering me in that direction by his spirit, he gave me this. He said, it is rare to find people who have placed their faith in Jesus in Jesus Christ, not just in word, but also in deed. Jesus spoke about this in the account with the centurion man, where the centurion man comes to him and asks, will Jesus heal a servant? And Jesus said, I will. And before Jesus can even turn, start walking with him, the man says, all you have to do is say the word. And we all know how that account goes. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, I haven't even found this much faith in all of Jerusalem. I haven't even found this faith in Israel. The people who know me don't even have this kind of faith. They say, Lord, just at your word. Lord, just at your word. Jesus understands. and Jesus knows that faith is so rare. See, people have faith. People have faith for things. Well, people have faith for days. They have faith in, in jobs, faith in government, faith in education, faith in their friends, faith in their family name. They have faith in so many things, but we don't, we don't place our faith in the only one <laughs> who is worthy of receiving our faith. People have faith in their talents and abilities. Not, I'm not against these things. I'm not against family. I'm not against 
you know, talent. I'm not against a, I'm not against a lot of things, honestly. <laughs> I'm against what 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 is what is what's crazy is is that we ascribe like we we believe more and trust more in our things and our and created things than we do in the one that created them and that's where I have an issue that's where I have an issue in my own self where I get in times where I'm like <laughs> having more faith in, in stuff than I am in the son of god lord forgive me so, but people of faith are of high value because without faith, we know it's impossible to please God. So that's how valuable people are. That's how rare it is. We it's hard to find people that have faith when when things were shaken, when the earth was being shaken last year, and even now they're like the aftershock of what happened in twenty twenty. Like when the earth was being shook, so many people you really begin to see what their faith was in. You began to see who really not just talk the talk that they belong to God, but you began to see those who really walk it out, even in the middle of adversity, even in, the, in a time where things seemed uncertain. You can tell by people who have their faith in someone that is certain and sure every single day of the week, 24-7, before time even existed, and long after time culminates, there is one who is always going to remain, and that is is the word of the living God. So I want us to recap here a second. Remaining vessels of honor. First, we have to separate ourselves. Secondly, we have to realize that there that we have a value. Another thing that just kind of going to answer that second question of what determines value. Another thing that determines value is the price. What was paid to obtain it? So if you go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, we'll see. I mean, this is a quotable, a notable quotable. But I, just kinda, I want you guys to see it in, in, in this context here that what was going on in uh, the Corinthian churches, people were getting caught up in sexual immorality. They were kind of falling back to the way that they were when they were pagans. And that is a big trap that gets so many believers, so many young believers, so many people that are that are set out with a heart to serve the Lord, set out with a heart on fire for God, wanting to be used by Him, wanting to go into ministry, wanting to be, be vessels of honor. We dishonor ourselves when we allow ourselves to get off of track and fall into a place of sexual immorality, whether it be through pornography, premarital sex, lust of the flesh, whatever it is. It doesn't just have to be sexual things. It can be like, you know, lusting after money and lusting after possessions to having this sense of greed about us. When we allow those things to operate in our member, it dishonors us. It dishonors what the price that was paid for us. That's why Paul wrote, every one of us who named the Lord as our Savior, we have a high, he, he wrote that, that he wrote, do you not know? He wrote, do you not know that you are vessels of the Holy Spirit which you've received from God. You are not your own, but you have been bought with a price. And the thing is, because we forget the price that we've been bought with, because that's not stamped into our minds and into our hearts, that we've been bought with a price, we allow ourselves to become vessels of dishonor because we will partake and allow anything into our vessel that will cause us to diminish in value. I guarantee you if I take a cup and I drag it through the mud and offer you a drink, you wouldn't want it because it doesn't have high value. Like I may be able to wash it off for you, 
but you remember that I just drug it in the mud, so you won't be as apt to use it. Maybe over time you might want to, you might grab it out of my cabinet, forgetting that it was drugged through the mud, or you might remember that it was drugged through the mud, but it's been long enough that it's clean, and maybe it's been cleaned a few more times and you're comfortable, but maybe you won't even touch it at all because it was drugged through the mud, and you don't want to deal with it anymore because you, you, you push it to the back of the cabinet like no one should use that because it's been defiled. That's what we're up against, guys, in this generation. That's what, is, that's what we are up against. That is what the generation prior didn't prepare us for. I'm not trying to blame them because the Lord prepares us. The Lord can keep us. But I'm saying that because no one has taken the time to sit down this generation, my generation even, and say, and to the generation before us, no one took the time to sit down and say, hey, this is why. This is why you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. This is why you shouldn't allow yourself to get into certain situations. Why you shouldn't allow yourself to get caught up with certain people. Because you have a high value. There is a price that was paid for you. There's, there, see, the, the, the spirits of this world are, will try to auction off to the highest bidder your soul. But once you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been purchased. You have said, hey, I don't belong to this world. I don't belong to any of these systems of this world. I belong to the Son of God. I'm in the family of God, and there is nothing that can stop me, nothing that I will allow to hold me back from being who he says I am. And that's what is missing. We don't have a, a set desire in our heart that says, I will not defile my Myself. So I want to do, I want to do my part. I want to share. I want to tell as many people as I can. I want to, to equip the next generation to let them know that there is a price that was paid for them. And that price was the blood of the, of the Lamb. That price was the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Maybe you've heard the gospel before, but I want to let you know that it was the price that was paid to purchase you, that set you free from all sin and the dominion of sin in your life. And now you can be joint heirs with the Son of the living God and you can walk with your head held high. And not with shame, but head held up knowing that you have value and that not everything deserves your time. Hallelujah. 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 The last thing I want to say is this. Second Timothy chapter two verse twenty one. Remaining, we're trying. We're remaining vessels of honor because who knows that once you've been born again, you have been made a vessel of honor. That He's traded your sinfulness. He's taken. He stripped you of what you once were. The names that they used to call you, the things that you used to be affiliated with. The, oh, He takes that all away. He He strips you of that. And he clothes you with Himself. He clothes you in righteousness. He makes you complete. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. <sighs> Hallelujah. See, once again, there's nothing that I can do in my own power to clean myself. 
I didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what? I think I'm going to do my best. I'm going to just not tell lies today. I'm not going to sin. I'm just going to walk the upright and everything's going to be good. There's no one on the planet, even if they did wake up one morning and say that, that can back that up in their own power. That's why we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're on a road trip this summer, because we need to be full of His Spirit. We need our vessels to be, contain something that is gonna, that, that gives us power that we do not have in ourselves. See, I have, I have a willpower. Everyone has a willpower, but willpower is not the power of God. Willpower is not the power of the Holy Spirit operating you in you, causing you to do what you could not do before. I'm telling you guys, there are things that we cannot stop doing because it is the natural course of our flesh. It is the natural, the, is the natural course of our carnality and our fallen nature. That's what the fallen man wants to do. That's what happened when sin entered into the world. Death came into play by sin. And sin was what the vehicle that brought death right in to this life. But we don't have to operate in that system any longer because the good news is that Jesus Christ the righteous has come and that he has set us free and that we get to live holy not based on our own merit but based on his merit based on his credit based on his completed work at the cross and his resurrection and ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit to dwell inside everyone who would call upon the name of the Lord that when we call upon the name of the Lord we become partakers we become recipients of his his grace for it's by grace we are saved through faith it is the gift of God and not a work of our own selves that any man should boast we can't I can't boast and say that Tariq has done anything to wait to warrant salvation I can't boast and say that oh because I've you know attended this many church services I went to this many outreaches I I sang this many worship songs I prayed for this many hours and that I had achieved salvation because of that no 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 it was the time when I realized that there's nothing I could do and I cried out to the father because my heart believed the words of life that I was hearing that someone took the time to preach the words of life to me and tell me about this man Jesus and preach the gospel within love and truth to me and that I begin to see that because my heart began to open up and to say, Abba, I need you. That is what, that is what it is. When my heart sees, <laughs> my, my heart sees in faith that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that I, my mouth says, I believe it. I confess that it's him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one. I can't get to the Father except through him. He is the door. He is the one who everything hinges on. My entire life hinges on him. I, am, I have given myself over to him. And it's his life that lives through me because I died. I died a long time ago. So to remain a vessel of honor is to remain in position where the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit can move freely through your being without 
limitation and hesitation or any hindrance. When instead of being flip floppers and wishy washy, we give ourselves completely over to the Spirit of the Living God and allow Him to have His complete work in us so that we can be vessels of honor, so that He can say, Hey, I can pour this life out into this other life that I can use you to speak to people. I can use you to minister to someone else. I can use you to have, to see other people come alive. I can use you to, I can use you to hold doors. I can use you to open doors. I can use you to be a voice. I can use you to be a testimony, a living testimony, a living stone. I can use you for that. Because you are allowing yourself to remain in the place where my, my perfect work it can be done in your life. So guys, remember this tonight. That first, we must be separate. Second, we must know that we have a high value. And third, we must know that we must remain in a place where God's Spirit can continually fill us. That is how we remain vessels of honor. Stay separate, know your value, and stay clean. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I praise you for the opportunity to share your word. Lord, I know that this word is anointed. I know that you have designed this word and that you have given me this word for a time such as this. I pray that the hearers, that it would, that it would spark life in them. That it would cause it would cause cause us to go to a place where we change we ask you to change our minds about how we see ourselves, change our minds about how we see value, change our minds about how we see life in the kingdom, that we realize that we have been purchased with a price that we are not our own, that we would see that we are joint heirs with Jesus, Lord, I pray that if anyone has heard this. And they do not know you that the gospel, Lord, that the gospel message that was preached in this message tonight would would stir them to a place of belief that would move upon their hearts, that they would cry out and hear that these words, these same words of life that fell on Cornelius' house, these same words of life that fell upon the Ethiopian eunuch, the same words of life that have fallen on so many over the years will fall upon them and cause them to come alive at the name of Jesus. Lord, I love you, I honor you, and I thank you for giving me this gift so that I can reach many with with the word of God. I praise you, I love you, and I honor you. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.